1: everyone, it is I, Sarah Sentry. We are here for Bitches on Comics. It's spooky, spooky Halloween. I just chased a bunch of rabbits around my yard and now they're inside eating kale. Everything has been restored. The universe has re- achieved a proper balance once more. And I am here with my co-host. Hello,
2: I am Monica Estrella and I was in the backyard eating pretzels while watching Sarah <laughs> chase her rabbits around the yard. Hmm. Mm -mm, I know. And they say retrograde was over, but then they forgot about the (laughs) other four planets that are currently fucking us over. But anyway, we have an amazing guest today here who is a celebrity in my heart and in my mind. We are here with Wimoto Naoka.
3: Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. I always love talking to both of you, either of you together, separately, hearing about your rabbits. (laughs) I feel like people don't really have rabbits as pets anymore. Like, I don't know. I feel like I don't know anybody who has a guinea pig. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, like the whole like fuzzy animal, like fuzzy small in the rodent family (laughs) pet is like kind of, I don't know enough. I don't know any people who it's either like, they've been replaced by tiny purse dogs, which I, No offense to anyone who has a tiny purse dog, but I hate they're lame. Oh, controversial. Yeah, I'm going to
1: come out swinging. I think they're lame. Fight <laughs> <Bite> me. <laughs> they um, tend to be a little bit on the loud side, I've noticed. What, Rabbits? No, purse dogs. Oh, I was like, what the fuck? Um,
2: (laughs) No, the rabbits.
1: Rabbits are emphatically not that loud. Actually, okay,
2: yeah, purse dogs suck. I'm a I'm a big dog person. (laughs) Like, I love like big, goofy, sloppy dogs. Like my dog Batty, who's just huge. She thinks that she's like tiny when she tries to climb on me, but she's in reality almost eighty pounds. So,
3: (laughs) I'm not like it's not like purse how can I say this?
2: Toy dogs. (laughs) That's what they're called. Toy dogs.
3: I think it's less about the dog and the way that people treat them. Like, first of all, dogs shouldn't be in bags. I don't think. So there's also every time I see these dogs, they look like they were, they're being held hostage. (laughs) I've never seen a hat, like a happy purse dog. They're in there and they're shivering for no reason.
1: They're like, "Oh, we're going to run some errands." And they Sounds and they just thrilling. they always have that face that's like, "Help me." yeah, Help me. <laughs> and I'm just
3: like, "What is? I think maybe you don't like being in a bag." And I also know that there's a lot of eugenics going on there. Like, we made them that it's way, true. so it's not yeah. like, yeah. Their wolf ancestors are crying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just feel like they're uncomfortable. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Man, <laughs> humans, man, just yeah. fucking up the bloodlines. And for what? And for what? <laughs>
1: We're starting out on a high note. We really are. <laughs> I feel this happens every time I talk to you where it's just like, oh, this is where the interview is <laughs> going. <laughs> and then we have to figure out how to get back to like what we said we were going to talk about after being right. wildly off track. <laughs> and I'm not—I'm no good at segways, so yeah. it's like we—we we lost our good at segways host. Like they're yeah. not around today. So, oh my gosh, That's basically okay. like, hey, what's up? Um, so like now I know how you feel about toy dogs. And yeah. Um, say you do some things. I do in do your some life. things. <laughs>
3: They have nothing to do with toy dogs, though. I have a cat.
1: Oh, well, we could talk about that. But <laughs> what's your cat's name? My cat's name is Bobtails. Nice. He's a rescue mm. cat. He's
3: a rescue cat, so he still hunts. He's dope. Mm. He's a great Got
1: personality.
3: Got some rescue
1: cats myself. Yeah, yeah.
3: He's a, has a great personality. Um, <sighs> he is not starring or featured in any of my work, however. <laughs> He does have his own presence on Instagram. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> if you want to see what he's up to, I believe it's An just IG a, star. I think it's just Bobtails.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's our guest
3: next week,
1: actually. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, but he's not featured in any of my work. I I am the founder of Dusky Projects, which is this like up-and-coming production company, and we make genre work for uh audio um, Short form content like short films and uh theater, actually. So that's what I do.
2: Amazing,
1: fantastic. <laughs> no notes, no notes, and there's um. The Little Matter of Black Women Are Scary, Mm -hmm. which is currently in its third season, I know.
3: Can you believe it? Um, I can't even believe it's last. It was just like a little brain fart and then like, look at this third season. Yeah. So Black Women Are Scary is a podcast, everyone. And uh, we produce short horror stories written by by BIPOC authors. So there's a different author featured every month. And it usually goes top of the month, first Friday, a story episode, then middle of the month is a flash fiction episode where we have guests on and we talk about the episode and we either like read drabbles that we've written or I find another short, a flash fiction author. So it's like an opportunity to yet again know another author um, in the theme of the month. And then the final Friday is the author interview. So you get to you get to know this person's work and know what they're about and really That is the point of the podcast was just like, hey, if you want to know upcoming authors or people who have been out here doing the work and just haven't really gotten their flowers, that's who we like to produce and shine a light on.
1: I wanted to talk a little bit too about how the stories are chosen because it's kind of uh, like a group project, right? Yeah,
3: I I assembled like a little story committee, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, and you know, it's it's you know it's volunteer based. So it's kind of like, hey, are you into this? And but you know, people who like the podcast or people who support it in some way, I'm like, hey, do you want to be part of the story committee? And then there's like a bag of stories that we're you know reading this. This particular season, um, it was uh, two separate anthologies, actually. So it's really I'm just pulling from like these two spaces, but that are thematically tied. So it's a lot of um, solar punk stories, which is which are authors that are writing green futures. So it's people who work in that space of like projecting into the future. They're usually pretty hopeful, but there is a lot of... Um, they're doing the math so it's usually these the authors are writing about you know life after the a climate disaster
1: mm. uh,
3: mm-hmm. so the first right now you know we're we're just starting our third season and our opening was the song's humanity lost to dolphins written by Shweta Thaneja. so she's an Indian writer uh, and it is about that's kind of where this a uh, dolphin apocalypse starts <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent story. Please like listen to it. And her her interview is now up because we're in October. Yeah. So please listen to like these these past three episodes that we did. She's an incredible author who's done who writes for young audiences as well as adult audiences, um, in this sort of magical macabre space. Mm. Uh, but it is a future where, you know, we are living in dome cities. We have completely removed ourselves from nature and then all of the children begin to hear the songs of the dolphin and take to the ocean wow God,
1: that's cool yeah
3: and it's about like it's told from the perspective of mothers like on the day when the children all ran into the ocean Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's it's still I mean, I'm asserting that it's a horror story, even though it's like in a solar punk anthology that's called Uh, multi species cities. Um, And there's a kind of hopefulness at the end of it. But I'm like, it is a story about children running into the ocean, seeming like they're never going to return. And then they do.
2: Dun, dun, oh,
3: dun. Yeah. And I'm like, I that feels like a horror story to me. Um, So, you know, we're working with the theme for this month is land and place. And so a lot, a lot, almost all of these stories have to do, um, have some kind of climate play some kind of central role in it.
1: Oh, that's uh, extremely interesting. (laughs) I'm like, I haven't listened to this yet. So I'm like, uh, I want to like run off to the side and um, listen to it real quick. Yeah, she's
2: great. Yeah, I've never heard of solar punk, like as a genre. That's really interesting. Um, How did they come about that name? Like, what does it encompass? That's what I'm mostly curious about.
3: So far from what I've read, which is just really... Um, the multi-species cities that were anthology that we're doing. And then later on in the season, we'll be doing some things from the 2022 climate uh, future ancestors that just got released by Gris, which is a organization that deals primarily in climate crisis. And they have this anthology that they put out in October. Um, This is their second one where they basically recruit speculative fiction writers to write about climate futures to you know to like okay the thing happened like right past that and write something hopeful so but of course cuz people are dope <laughs> they tell the truth you know so it's just kind of like i have those stories are up on their on their website you can look at you know 2022 2200 climate oh my god what's it 2200 future <laughs> ancestors um or you know just go to grist grist.org to see it's free it's just like up there um as i understand it solar punk is people you know most of the time i didn't even realize this but we're usually looking at some kind of like cyberpunk when we look at the future like that whole view of the future that is clinical that is like um sterile you know there's it's there's not really a whole lot of organic life in most of the like things that are set in the future it's very machine you know ai and all that kind of stuff Um, lots of gray colors or like in the, you know, if you look at the matrix, it's like the earth is scorched. Everybody's in, in vinyl. Um, You know what I'm saying? Like this is usually what we think the future looks like. And solar punk is the opposite of that. It is imagining a very green, a very lush future, a future where technology and like green tech reigns and then telling a story within that. And that's one thing that I see that's in common about all of them, that it's like it's still a green space. And then also because of that, climate and the realities of like what is happening with the climate play a part in the story. It's not like secondary.
0: Very nice. That's so cool. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Check. Um I'm 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 primarily curious about your story committee and how that works. How does that process work especially um when it comes to planning out your material for like the next month or so? Like what what is like the do you guys just read a bunch of stories and then you come to a general consensus or are people like actively looking out for stories or do you gather all of the material and try to assign it to people?
3: I gather like uh before it was like I was gathering as many stories, I would like put out a call, or you know, after our first season, it was like, okay, do you have more? Who do you recommend? Like, so it was very much like with authors that we have already worked with. Who do you recommend? Putting out calls, um, posting out you know calls on our social media, like, hey, we're 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 reading stories, and those are just kind of one offs, and then just I was like figuring out a flow to it. This is the first season where I was like, I want a genre, I want a theme, and so everything has to be with this theme, and it kind of narrowed it down and that's sort of why it's like it's these anthologies and it was about gathering that, putting that in a, in a, you know, a drive and say like, okay, you have X amount of time to read it and give me three to four recommendations. And I provide a rubric of like, this is what it's, you know, we're looking for. And then I just go by like, who gets the votes? Basically. Like I leave it up to the story committee to be like, if I see like, okay, a story get, you know, both of them mentioned the same one, or you know something like that then that's really who wins it's not or not wins in quotation marks
0: that's what we produce
3: like I mean we have we can't we don't have the capacity to produce all of the stories (laughs) and and they're fantastic which is why there's always space to be like this is from this anthology please get this anthology and like read the rest of the things please um because it's a lot – like, we're a small operation and, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, <for laughs> you sure. know, like, doing full-on sound design is hard and it takes a oh, while. Yeah. Um, and it's all front-ended. So this stuff is happening, like, well before we even start. Mm,
1: yeah. You know
3: what I mean? so we're not really in, like – nobody's reading stories when the, the – like, really when the – once the – we get kick in. Like, once things air, stories have been chosen. Um, they're in – a lot of them are in post. Some of them are done. Okay. So it's kind of like this This work really happens. It's like summer reading, we're doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. or like spring for the fall. So that's kind of the process there. And the reason I have a story committee is because I don't want this to be a podcast. It's like, this is what we moto likes. Yeah. So
2: so. You're totally within your rights to just like, it's my podcast. This is what I like. Yeah. And I actually, (laughs) I don't, I
3: don't want that. So that's why I have other people weighing in Mm -hmm. on anthologies and going the anthology is great because then I really like establish a relationship with the publisher, and I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, I usually reach out to them, and I'm like, I really want to produce stuff from here. Can we get a copy of this? And um, then can you like introduce me to these authors that we're gonna choose? And that just is more. Just I find that is received better than me just like messaging them at random, which I tried, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and nobody got back to me. So I was like, okay, you need somebody who knows somebody, or somebody who knows you. I get it. I'm a stranger. Um, so they facilitate, like, a meeting. You know what I mean? Like, they set us up, like, on a date, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. They're like, no, this person is for real, and she's going to do this thing, and she wants to produce your story. And it's like, you know, I have a hype man. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we went, like, last season and this and this season. Like, last season, it was um, Slay from Mocha Memoirs Press. Mm-hmm. And so this season, it's multi-species from World Weaver Press, and then... Uh, 2200 future ancestors from gris you know Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and that's i i'm liking this idea of it like everything being attached to a theme because then i find out these fun then i discover these fun subgenres like solar punk which i don't think i would have stumbled on if i wasn't looking for stuff that's had to do with like land and place right exactly um but it is not me deciding all the things (laughs) so it really is like I give the rubric, and then I'm like, "Here's a bunch of material." Then you tell me some things we can't do, just because they're we can only produce this finite amount of like like pages, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a there's there's certain things to the rubric that just have to do with logistics, right? Where it's like it can't be longer than this. It blah blah blah, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's the process. I don't know. I hope that wasn't like boring. No,
1: no, <laughs> I can guarantee you that we are both. Sitting here, rapt attention, completely enthralled. I was going to ask, how
2: do I sign up? But I, I, I don't know. Can I? Oh, can,
3: that this is you have officially have signed up because you told me you wanted yes, to do it. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to do it, then yeah, next time around, I'll be like, you'll get an email soon. Actually, okay, jump in the DMs, <laughs> and I'll I'm be there. like, these are the stories. Give me some recommendations.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm down. See, sometimes when you shoot your shot, you're successful. Yeah. You know?
3: <laughs> and they're short. So, you know, I usually give people like a month, you know, it's just like. Oh, yeah. But I, I find that it's it's working with like, we have this 12 or you have this four. I recommend, you know, like, and here's what you got to be looking for is just so much better than like, here's 25,000 short stories, you know? It's right. just like, people don't have time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty good at reading a bunch of stories um in a finite amount of time, especially since <laughs> I've been brought on to decoded. Um, because our reading sessions to get everything for the anthology is it's intense. Brutal. It's very intense reading a bunch of submissions um yeah. on a deadline. Yeah. So I got those skills.
3: I think it's great that you guys have submissions and that people <laughs> I'm like, there's a there. I don't know if anybody I don't know if people understand how much work goes into, like, ha- setting a submission page, making sure people know about it, and getting people to submit.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah.
3: Like, that in and of itself is a lot. Mm-hmm. And then there's the back end of, like, now we have to read all this. Yeah. In a perfect world, it works, and you have too many stories.
1: That's it. We tend to have too many mm-hmm. where we're just like, oh, we've got to turn all these nice folks down. Yeah. <laughs> like that's,
3: yeah. And then that's like another problem,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> and it tends to be honestly very arbitrary, which is kind of the thing that surprised me the most and made me be like, oh, when I get rejected from like an anthology or something like it is down to... We had this space for this kind of story, you know, like yeah, kind of yeah. uh, situation. So it kind of gave me like a you know inside baseball look on things where I was like, oh okay, yeah, that makes sense then. <laughs> and like, I've been uh, like fortunate enough to like appear in a bunch of anthologies, but now I'm like, oh, I don't feel so bad if I get rejected, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because right. I'm like, well, right. um, I was gonna ask earlier today. I was watching a bunch of horror uh, trailers all in a row and. They were all uh kind of just like jump scare like a jump cut of jump scares kind of mm. like it was just like this is scary ah and mm-hmm. then it was like and then this other thing was scary and it's like ah <laughs> and i was thinking about how how there's kind of this like there's so many worlds of horror right yeah. like there's people who like really just want to go have these kind of like shocking moments and then be like, well, Mm -hmm. that was a great horror movie. And then they go home and carry on about their lives or whatever. But something with like black women are scary. Like I've listened back to like the very first episode and every single episode, like I will walk away. Like the reason it takes me actually a long time to get through your all seasons is because (laughs) I have to sit and think about like every story, like extremely, (laughs) like I'm just like, that story meant this, but it also meant this. And it probably meant something that I don't even know about. So let me think about that for a while. And uh, that w- is very much reflected in the fact like I was on one of the, um, what, Flash Fiction Friday, right? And yeah, yeah. we were talking about a story that just like I still think about that story oh, all of the time. Yeah. Kimberly and Moonsami,
3: nature, Ugh. that protagonist, right?
1: Ah, I'm obsessed with her. And we talk about it, like, literally, I think we had... Um, oh, I had to cut know, out like, so much. It was, like, two hours of conversation. Yeah, we were talking, and I, like, could not shut up. And it was one of those situations where it was, like, and yet still had so much to say, right? Like, yeah. there was just, like, a lot to unpack with that character. And, like, just the themes and everything about it. But I feel that way about every story that you all run. So I was kind of thinking about how there are all of these different worlds of horror and, like, how so often people are like, well, I don't like horror or something. And they always are reducing it to, like, well, it's just all gory or something like that, yeah, right? right? right. And it's, like, that's so much, like, not what horror is to mm-hmm. me because it's, like, yeah, I'll watch, like, the goofy, like – you know, like, I don't want to call any specific movie out. I watched, like, Malignant, and I thought that it was, like, the silliest thing I'd ever seen. But everybody loved it. It was fun. But it yeah, exactly. It was fun, goofy, like very gory, you know, all of the things. And but I was like, I'm not gonna like sit around thinking about how heavy that was, you know, for yeah. like weeks at a time it was or something. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> the movie so deep. It was not deep. Dear reader,
2: it, it was not deep.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's like the point of that, that film. You know, like I watched yeah. it in the afternoon. I watched it because like James Wan right. does yeah. pretty ass directing. And I was yeah. like, look at the window and the lights oh my god this, this camera shot where we're on top of the house watching her run through it is amazing and it was written by Akilah Cooper I believe is the screen like it was written by a black woman yeah. oh, yeah, I, okay. I, I watched it just because you know yeah. Rae, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for everybody black so
2: like right. yeah. And James Wan is just like one of those horror directors that knows his stuff when it comes to yeah. like cinematography and the aesthetic that comes along with it like he's yeah. definitely done his research and that's why I think I enjoy his movie so much not so much for totally. the plots, like when I think about, was that the conjuring, you know, about the people, <laughs> yeah. <just> the fraud <laughs> people or whatever, like those movies, I those know. movies are awful, but they are filmed beautifully and they're just pretty to yeah. look at. I can watch it on mute, actually, if I just don't have to get yeah. them talking.
3: I liked The Conjuring actually. I enjoy that. Yeah, as a, as a, I don't. I'm not a fan of possession movies, but I, uh-huh. I, I did like The Conjuring only, not only because it, you know it was shot well, and I'm a fan of the actress Lily, Lily, Lily Taylor, right? Yeah, Lily
1: Taylor. Uh, She's I'm a fan great. of her. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but also because it was like the first time where a white family is in a haunted house, and they it actually explain why they don't leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I just really appreciated that somebody
1: finally, like, addressed the elephant in the room. <laughs> Other than the dad just being like, it's fine. We it's, should just leave. Yeah, quit.
3: yeah. Like, no, they like they all were aware that, like, this house is fucked and, the, like, we should leave and here's why we can't. Yeah. And it was just, like, the first time where that happened. And I was like, okay, so we're in it to win it. Here we go.
1: Exorcism, <laughs> exorcism go. <laughs> I was thinking, though, that there are, you know, horror just fulfills so many different things for me, you know, like it can be something where I'm like, that was great. But then I walk away. Sometimes I'll watch a horror movie and be like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to watch this anymore. Obviously, there's some things about that that are just a taste, but I was just kind of curious if like, I, I guess like, it sounds like you pretty much like horror across the board, but... Like I said with black women are scary you just get these stories that are so impactful and so I've just been kind of like trying to I guess like trying to piece together in my own head like why why do all of the different horror genres like subgenres appeal you know like why and how does this all mix together I guess
3: You know I've kind of been mulling over like that maybe not that exact question but in this I'm wondering how horror and what def- what how horror is defined is is inevitably going to change as you have different perspectives, different writers joining center stage, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know?
3: Like I I was just thinking about Nope. Like I went to see that a little while ago and I had a great time. And I know that some people don't, love it. Or they'll say like, it's a bit slow and all of these Like I see that, like, I love this, but it was a bit slow, but like stay with it. And I'm like, I didn't think this was slow at all. Uh -uh. But I also am just like, if you are used to going to see Saw 5, seeing Nope is going to feel slow to you.
1: Sure. Like, I don't know
3: what your usual like horror diet is. (laughs) for lack of a better term is so if you are a fan of hitchcock nope is fast as hell (laughs) like it's it's fine you know what i mean like are you you know are you watching these like cerebral how what kind of horror that you do typically like and then how does that is that being like kind of like challenged or subverted or like you how are you pleasantly surprised by a film like that Mm -hmm. um and And so on and so forth, you know, I'm just thinking of like, I haven't seen Nanny, like these, these, I didn't see Master yet, but like these like new stories that are kind of coming out that are changing the rules of horror, which were defined by, you know, white men. And it was, horror is such an act of intimacy. Like I'm telling you what I'm scared of. So the fact that like a very protected group has been basically dictating what is scary is a pretty powerful thing that's been going on Mm -hmm. and that has trained us. Like we've been trained to view what is scary in a certain way and we've been like there's both both linguistic and visual training indoctrination for <laughs> yeah though you know we can even say um that's been happening even if it wasn't like intentional just by only having like one particular perspective always standing in the in the front mm-hmm. uh and so i don't i think it feels like subgenres but i'm not sure it is is you know like i guess what i'm getting at like I think those subgenres exist because they're just trying to, it's just another thing where it's like, we make these subgenres. Like I was having a conversation with, on our Flash Fiction Friday last month, I had um, LaCase Cousineau, who's the uh, editor-in-chief at the Sealy Crow, which is sort of the first magazine, fantasy magazine that is run by a black woman. Um, And I was talking about like, what is Afrofuturism? Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I understand what it is really. And there's some people who um, I've had to wrestle with that. Like we talk about like, you know, if you write sci-fi, people will automatically say like, oh, it's at." like people will throw that at me and they'll be like, yeah, let's talk about Afrofuturism. And it's like, but I don't actually write Afrofuturism even when I'm writing sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is it just that there's a black person in it? And that makes it <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> happen. Like, I, I feel like, like that
2: happens every time and people have just dropped that word whenever there's just like a black face, like in a story.
3: And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily Afrofuturism. I don't think that's what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, And, and like, you know, people will go on and on about like Octavia Butler being the mother of Afrofuturism. And I'm like, I'm reading some of this and I'm like, I don't, some of it maybe, but then there's some books that I'm like, I would argue this is just, this is sci-fi. That's it. Yeah, That's all that's happening. And so like, To your point about the subgenres, I think it's that I think it's us wrestling. We haven't quite found the language yet, or we're not in a place where we can just say like that's a horror story. And Mm -hmm. one example I I think is great is Toni Morrison's Beloved. Mm. It's a fucking horror horror story. story. It's
2: literally about the ghost of a of a of a dead baby. like, Like come on, I just like don't understand, and like people have like. To, uh Danny Bethea actually wrote a really good piece about um, black horror and how it can actually be defined for when I'm uh, from Cinespeak. And this was last Halloween and they threw in a piece about like how Beloved was actually like a horror novel and Toni Morrison was like a very prolific like horror writer in that moment. And a lot of people would not see it as that because, like you said, like we've been indoctrinated to think about what are the things that are considered to be horror from always like the cis white perspective versus like what do we conceive of as being horrific in our own lived experiences from our ancestors' experiences, right? But no, beloved, like when I read that book, it like creeped the fuck out of me. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) We're opening with a dead baby. First of all, we're yeah. opening with matricide. Right. And then the rest of it is like, okay, so it's a dead baby. Like they're haunted for a solid, I forget how many months by this baby before she is manifest. Mm-hmm. As a real life person. And she, and then when they would just, when Toni Morrison would describe her voice, I was imagining that it was like, <laughs> da, 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 da. like that's like, that's how it's, I imagined it in my brain. Um, and I'm like, how is this not the, this is terrible. This is horrible. <laughs> like I Like, this is not a family drama. I didn't see that movie because like, what is, why is that not a scary movie? Mm-hmm. Why it's not even shot like a scary movie. It's not approached like it's a scary movie, but I'm like, it. that should have been a horror film. It
2: should have been a horror film. And in some ways it is still a horror film, but it was just, I don't know. Right. It just wasn't right. held into the right hands. It doesn't have the correct aesthetic because like black and horror, I feel like that is still being defined within right. like this renaissance that we're experiencing. I mean, like black horror right. has always been there. I mean, like think about Eve's Bayou. Like that is like yeah, a yeah. total like right. Southern Gothic, like,
1: Right, tale, you know, but also wasn't regarded
3: as such, right? No, yeah, like, no. I
1: remember yeah. people being like, That's like, you know, a drama or something. No, it's not. Yeah, like, yeah.
3: yeah, no, and the same thing with Beloved. It's like, it's a family drama, it's a family drama about like black people, and it's like, This is a ghost story. I'm sorry, it's straight up a ghost about story. about a dead baby. I don't understand how you cannot understand. Like, it's just like, it, I, I can't, I, ugh, it makes me so frustrated. So, these subgenres, I think, exist, like, you know, even even as I describe, like, solar punk, it's dumb, because why wouldn't the future involve green spaces? You know, like, that is, it almost feels political. And mm-hmm. and these stories tend to be, um, if you, like, look at Gris and how they're advertising it, these uh, or, I don't know, advertising is the right word, but how they're communicating about it, they are talking about, like, a decolonized future, because... And so I think it's interesting that like the aesthetic that we that we have sort of accepted or understand is the under like the baseline aesthetic for this is what future looks like to do anything else is to decolonize it. I think that's interesting that that's how we feel. I think it's telling (laughs) about like how we think the, the future has been authored thus far and what it means when new voices come in. Um, or when old voices who've been around are finally just like, they get their flowers. Um, so I don't know if these are subgenres. I think I'm, I'm, I'm one for like, let us get to a point where there is no such thing as black horror. It's just horror. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if we, I don't know about these, what is it? What's the word? Like the descriptors in front, like I get it right now, but I'm also wondering, where we're going with all the, like, Latin horror, black, you know. I'm thinking of, like, Tigers Are Not Afraid. I don't know if you've seen that film. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. No. What's that about? Tigers Are Not Afraid is a horror It's on Shudder. The Spanish um, title is Wedwin, Mm -hmm. which is Return. Mm -hmm. And it is a girl. It's set in, like, a small town somewhere in Mexico. And I want to say it's in the north, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But they are ravaged by the narcos that are going on. So the drug trade is very heavy in their town, and the narcos have really taken over and made it a, just kind of an unlivable ghetto for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's told from the perspective of a young girl who comes home and her mother has is, is missing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And so it's just about her on this, like, quest throughout the t- town to find out what the hell happened to her mother and where is she. And her mother was somebody who was, like, speaking out against the narcos. That's the so she's getting these messages like it's it's there's lots of ghosts involved there's a lots of magic involved uh, as she's actually kind of like solving a cold case <laughs> she's trying to find her missing mom mm-hmm. and has no um ends up getting with another group of kids who also have like parents who've been disappeared mm-hmm. and they join and they become this little like little like ragtag group of orphans that are trying to to figure like survive and also figure out where she is and see if she's still alive and all these things. They, the authorities are no help because they're in the pocket of the not Like, Mm -hmm. so the setting is, you know, politically charged, I guess Mm -hmm. you can say, but like, there's like ghosts talking to her and all these like magical things that happen and it's tragic. And it's also like beautiful and hopeful at the end. And I remember like reading in the comments, you should never read the comments.
1: Nope. (laughs) Especially not on Shudder. Are you talking about on Shudder you watch? Yeah. yeah. Never do that. Never do that. No.
3: I remember reading in the comments, like, you know, a lot of people are like, this is a beautiful film. I don't know that it's a horror movie, but it's incredible. And it's like, see, Again, it's like, because you've never read Gabriel Garcia Marquez, you never read Isabel mm-hmm. Allende, so you don't think that this is horror. But I'm like, but, you know, the way yeah. people like tell ghost stories is is different depending on where it's from. But that doesn't mean that it's not a ghost story. <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: it's, it's all about perspective and it's all about lived perspective. And I've definitely uh, felt that frustration when, you know, I make my own films, because I don't necessarily make my films for the white gaze. Like my horror is something that is sometimes projected from that one gaze. And so a lot of like, Non, non-POC, non non-Black folks who say that, I don't think this is necessarily horror. They can't picture themselves in this situation because it has never been conceived, but they can feel the horror of, like, Michael Myers and their suburban, like, town stalking out behind, like, you know, in their big-ass yards and where all their doors are unlocked. Like, that is a believable horror to them. So it always comes down to, like, social context about, like, what makes you feel uncomfortable you know and like what is the actual lived experience that can make you uh reminisce when you watch this film about you being in this particular setting you'll never see like you know being afraid of like the cops like shooting you you know what I mean because like that very rarely happens to like white people but like when we show that type of uh when we show that type of fear of any type of state authoritarian like power, that is something that is like correlated directly to our own lived experience. And that's just the science of like horror. But I think that in relation to your question about like where uh, horror is going to go, especially with all the different like intersections that are now occurring, I would hope that like it would inevitably just like, pan out into just, like, being within the genre. But then I'm also, like, really afraid of that happening because typically... That always seems to be like the colorblind situation, you know what I mean? Where they're just like, we don't see color, we just see the genre, you know what I mean? Where I'm just like, it's very important to still highlight our own stories because of our marginalization. But we should still be respected in the level that we are a part of this umbrella of this genre because there are multiple genres, you know? But it shouldn't just be like like a huge part, like we have to be like sidecast, like, until, like, Black History Month, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to do, like, Black Horse, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of... It's kind of like a double-edged sword, I believe. Yeah, like I do believe yeah. in like our own autonomy and being able to create our own narratives and redefine what the genre can be. But then there also is like this wish that it can just exist as it is and still be defined as horror. And I think that just ultimately means that we have to stop categorizing everything under the guise of whiteness because white supremacy has had a chokehold on everything that we digest from arts and literature and everything else. I think that... There's just going to have to be a major shift in like cultural perception of like what defines art as it is without any type of racial categorization to it. But that's probably, we'll probably be living in those dome houses by the time that actually happens. Yeah.
3: And I also want to just like interject or not interject, but like that made me think of, okay, so I was in, I was in a lift. Mm-hmm. This happens sometimes when I'm talking to Black people Okay. where I say like I write horror stories and the first thing they say is like, that anybody who writes a horror story must be messed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Or you into that devil shit. Yeah. I've had that said to me. Yeah.
3: So the faction, you know, like the, that there, that there is also like, there's an, ex- like, yes, there's been a chokehold. Yes, all these things. Yes, all these things. But there's also been people who have been, you know, pushing up against that and they have not necessarily received the love. hmm from their own community. Oh, yes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. So it's, like, so it's like some of this policing and subcategorizing is coming, like the call is coming from inside oh, the house. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm not really sure, like, what that's about, you know? So, like, I'm in this car. He's like, oh, people, you have to have a devious mind. you got to be wrong. Somebody's got to be wrong, you know, if you write that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so you, did you watch Get Out? Oh, yeah. And I'm, did you? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Pause. So you think Jordan Peele is messed up. Well, that was a horror comedy. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, but it was a horror movie. Uh huh. So do you think Jordan Peele is messed up? Well, that was a horror comedy. And I just think it's interesting, like, then what needs to happen? It's like, are you ready to accept that we have scary stories?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> like, like, are you a black man driving this car ready to accept that? Because you kept, you just kept saying that's a horror comedy when it's like, what happened was that somebody made a horror movie that you could relate to, mm-hmm. and you liked it, which means that you like horror stories, and nobody's messed up for writing them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, your experience of fear is valid. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you ready to, to step into that, though? Because that's what just happened. Mm-hmm. and That's why this conversation came to a full stop. <laughs> like, it just died. I was like, okay. And I, like, ended up looking at my phone. Because uh, there was, like, no place to go. It's just kind of like, you do like horror movies.
2: Yeah. I was thinking that maybe he was thinking of a very particular form of horror. Like, maybe he was thinking of, like, torture porn or
3: something like that. Like, the hostile movies. That kind of circles back to what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. right? Which is, like, how you're defining horror. Mm-hmm. That you, like, didn't even see Get Out as a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And Jordan Peele is a certain... Like, that is how it was advertised. Mm -hmm. That is how everybody said... That is what everyone said it was. (laughs) And, like, there's, like, a mental stop that's happening. Um, And I think that that's interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm like,
3: where is this coming from? And how do we, you know... How was that also coloring for life, pun intended... The conversation around what gets to be scary and what
2: isn't—that's mm. a very good question. Should we do some research? Do you wanna? Do you wanna record something? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, it, we might get in trouble, but I just—I do think, yeah. I just wonder about that. I just wonder about this as I read stories, as I read authors who are like get pushed into these other genres, and I'm like, this is a horror story. Mm-hmm and i just wonder like who who said it wasn't and is it is it always that is it always that it's like it's because of like you said like this white supremacist ideology that's that's like leaked into everything or is it now like something a little more deeper and more complex about you also needing to be kind of brave and say like yeah that's scary like again like it's it's contrary to survival you're not supposed to tell people what scares you
2: mm-hmm.
3: so it's a very vulnerable place you know mm-hmm um get out is a vulnerable movie Mm -hmm. us is a vulnerable movie like these are vulnerable (laughs) tigers are not afraid is a vulnerable film yeah um are are you are you all you know it's easier to do something that's a little more like and then they come and they get you and yeah like you said it's a little more fantastical i think it's And this is just
2: an idea that popped into my head. But I think that like when it comes to vulnerability and all of the atrocities that black people have faced in the world, we have always been told to put on a brave face and to have this certain resiliency. So I wouldn't be surprised if that were actually tied to it. Because the Mm. types of horrors that we have experienced, we've always been told to just bear the brunt of it and remain strong in the face of adversity. Right. So maybe like actually admitting that we are scared, this thing made us scared. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That could be like a part of a, a part of it is that that willingness to show that type of vulnerability in the public face.
3: There's that, and then there's also just kind of the legacy of storytelling that kind of I, that I think trips people up. Like if you're watching Reservation Reservation Dogs.
2: Oh my god, I love that show. I cry right? every time I watch an episode.
3: Okay, but I'm like just thinking about the storytelling. There's always a sense of, like, magic. There's always a kind of, like, weird, off-kilter other reality mm-hmm. that's coming in. And I don't even really think of it because I'm like, well, I've read, you know, other Native... And and it's also kind of, you see that in some of the Latin American writers as well. Because, you know, I just kind of see that as part of, like, indi- indigeneity. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, not the, again, going back to, like, when you're taught screenwriting. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, like, the norm. Mm-hmm. To just have ancestors that show up and that they're kind of like attitudinal and they don't always know what they're talking about. Like the, the answers, the spirits that talk to them are hilarious yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not like, you know, reverent all the time or any of that. Mm-hmm. And, and to me that makes sense. And that's actually a very like, that's rooted in culture. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's also that, like the style of telling a story, like people are used to very like Western European style. That's how you're taught in school. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's like, it's an education that needs to happen on all fronts where it's like, it's a new way of telling, us, not a new way, but it's an, a way that you may not be familiar with. And if you are familiar with, you have somewhere along the way you understood that it wasn't legitimate. Mm-hmm. And so you do the thing like this guy where it's like, oh, but that's a, not really a horror movie. Yeah. Like you kind of cancel yourself out. Mm-hmm. So there's some like healing that needs to be done there. I think these films, but I think these people, you know. Folks are coming in and telling their stories and people are receiving it. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched they, them, but I know that that's a, I think that the setting for that is amazing. That's a slasher that takes place in a conversion camp. I'm like, now I don't know what it's like to go to a conversion camp, but like, that movie is going to help me understand what it feels like, I imagine.
1: Uh-huh. And usually there's like a jokey aspect to conversion camps in film, right? Like I've seen it on Riverdale. I saw it in But I'm a Cheerleader. But I'm a Cheerleader. But I'm a cheerleader. I yeah. say, <laughs> But I'm a
2: Cheerleader, yeah. That's and the only the, one I know of.
1: <laughs> the Miseducation of Cameron Post. There's been several takes on it, and I think think that you know maybe gay people just in general kind of need to joke about mm-hmm, it because yeah. it is horrific mm-hmm. yeah um these are all things that i love i love but i'm a cheerleader that's like yeah who no, doesn't a, right like a such a movie. <laughs> such an iconic movie um but it's also kind of this thing of like okay but like what's it's actually really scary right so like it sounds terrifying like, <laughs> can we have like a movie that deals with how scary it is mm-hmm. and it's like i i haven't seen they them either while you were talking, I wanted to make a point. Um, have you listened to Tony Morrison reading Beloved as
3: like the audiobook? No. Mm-hmm. Is it spooky as shit?
1: <laughs> it's spooky as shit. Oh my God. Um, and is amazing. And like mm-hmm. to read it in a way that I didn't, so I was just like, oh, I'm catching like all of this extra, you know, depth to it that I like didn't even think about while I was reading it the first time. Right. That's kind of like, I guess, like the good thing about listening to something right after you've read it in general. But I was just so happy. I love it when authors read their own work. But I was also going to say I can't wait for you to see Master because I think that was a really good movie. And kind of to your point, it was like I saw a lot of people be like, oh, this is just like a get out rip off. And then you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I am a little
3: concerned. My concern with the whole like black horror, this horror, Asian horror, whatever the thing is, um, is that it it does then have to do with like, I don't want to be stuck. I don't want anybody to have to write about racism. Do you know, yeah. like to have to write about how scary racism is. I also want to see like, you know, they're just vampires or or like whatever. Sure. Like, the, you know, like I also want to see like it's just it's just a scary story, um, which is what I liked about Nope is that it wasn't that there was a kind of undertone and just in the sense of like they were, um, you know, it was a black owned business, mm-hmm. but that it stopped there, I think. You know, and then it was just kind of like people in the desert dealing with this alien. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. It was just a good alien movie. (laughs) Like, and I'm like, I want, I also want that. Like, I don't want everything to be about systemic racism (laughs) because that's not like the only thing that everybody talks about, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I, and I want the same thing for all groups. Like, I'm like, I don't want everything to be said in a conversion camp or everything to be about (laughs) like you're fighting, homophobes like i also just kind of want gay characters to just be in a scary movie and live because they were just cast in this movie and then they live at the end that's it
1: Mm -hmm. hey everybody it's me sarah century you might know me as the other person who's been talking on this podcast (laughs) you know me so (laughs) I'm asking once again (laughs) the Bernie Sanders meme (laughs) I'm asking once again to rate I am asking once again to review rate and review our podcast which you know if you're still listening I'm hoping that you're having a good time if you're arguing with us in your apartment that's okay because sometimes I listen to podcasts to argue with them in my apartment by myself (laughs) in the audience of my cats too. Perhaps I've said too much, but <laughs> if, you- <laughs> oh, I don't have anywhere to go after this other than go ahead and write and review, won't you? I was going to ask, so with Black Women Are Scary, right? First of all, you have a bunch of, and they were just vampires stories that are great. So I think that you make your own point, right? Like, I think that there's definitely a lot of that to look forward to in uh, Black Women Are Scary. But I was curious because, as you mentioned at the top of the hour, we were talking about dusky projects and kind of the film and theatrical side of things. Now, I'm curious because I assume that there has to be a ton of crossover, right? Like, if you're working on the one thing, I'm sure like that kind of leads into and then leads into. But do you feel like Black Women Are Scary was an extension of that, of your work in film and theater? And how did that manifest for you?
3: It was, um, it is. So it started reading, collecting a bunch of authors and reading them live, like in person, was a fundraiser for a play I was working on at the time. And the play was a possession story. So I wanted, I made a, the, you know, like it's meant to be, it's like four people. It's meant to be in a black box. You're supposed to be, it's like an event. It's a happening. And I wrote a possession story because I hate possession stories. <laughs> it's like my, of the stuff genres. it's like my least favorite, Um and I sat around and I thought, you know, how come you don't like possession stories? People love The Exorcist. That's like a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, because I don't, it's it always about the church. It's always through a Judeo-Christian lens. And I'm like, and there are other beliefs and they have different uh, relationships to possession and to death and to the afterlife. So I was like, I'm going to write a story told through that lens. So the play is a, a, a family drama about, but and they are espiritistas. They are a family of practicing espiritistas and And it's a haunting and a possession story through that lens and following the rules of of that. Um, And then we had a fundraiser and the fundraiser was like, oh, let's like read a bunch of stories and like get the audience talking and whatnot. And it was really fun. And so we decided like, oh, let's keep doing that. And so we were going to be hosting these. I still think we should do this. Host these live dinner parties Where we invite people over and we sit and we have a meal and we would just record the conversation as we like read through the stories and talk shit over like food and wine and stuff. And that was going to be the podcast. And we had everything all set up. And then (laughs)
1: for March 2020. 2020.
3: (laughs) And then the world imploded. And then we were like, well, what should it be? And if it should be a podcast, then why? And so it was like we thought about it for a minute and pivoted and it really did become. Then, because I think I was, we were all sequestered, it was just like, I just want to find my tribe. Like, who else is into this? Who else is just this like horror nerd that isn't a straight white dude? Mm-hmm. Like, I know y'all are out there. I'm not special. So, Black Women Are Scary then became like the excuse to find that group of people to like, who are you? Where are you? I'm going to. This is going to be how I, like, invite you over to my house, essentially. <laughs> um, and that's where that was. So it really was a, like, where is my tribe? So, yes, it was an extension of the work because I had been doing it for a while. And I just kind of felt like the odd duck all the time mm-hmm. in every circle that I was in. And um, I was like, I, but I'm not. I know I'm not. <laughs> I know I'm not. I'm like, so let's start this thing and see who else is out there. And I thought, you know oh, it's going to take a minute. But what has been most surprising is just, just how many people do, in fact, write in the genre and are just not receiving the attention and the resources that they should be getting.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that Black Women Are Scary proves that because um have you had repeat? You've had repeat authors, right? Like people who have been on featured more than once yeah because it's like there's more where that came from mm-hmm. yeah exactly. they have a
3: library of stuff just so you know what I mean it's like I could cycle through this the ones that I've had and and not run out of material yeah like you know without even necessarily like I'm also small fry, so you know there's some of the bigger people that I just can't get a hold of um but still even in a small small fry bucket And, you know, some folks aren't small fries anymore. Like they were, it was just one story Mm -hmm. when, for second season. And then when we had them back, it was like, right, like Tracy Cross, you know, she was talking about her book when we first had her on. And then when she came back, her book was about to drop like the next month. And now she's you know,
1: she just did StokerCon, and she's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just in an anthology with her not too long ago, actually, and it was pretty amazing. It was called Pandemic Unleashed, and it was great. Like, her work is incredible. Yeah, so, you know, people, you never know. Yeah, I think we've run into that a lot with Decoded, and I'm sure we'll continue to run into it, where it's like, there will be all of these really interesting voices, and, yeah, it's kind of just like, oh, well, we published your story paying semi pro rates, and now you're eligible to join like the Horror Writers Association mm-hmm, or right. like any number of things. And it's like a little uh stepping stool or something, yeah. which is like, we can be the stepping stool. I'm totally through. I'm to down. Be the I'm down stool. for that. Like,
3: let's be I'm like, please let me be that. You know, I would love it if people I mean, I, I just want people to be like to come to Black Women Are Scary and say, like, I wanna know about like who's up and coming mm-hmm. and then yeah. they can just come and listen to what we're doing. I'm like, you know, cause even in the flash fiction episode, some of the shorts that we've read there, you know, those people are not up and coming. Actually, they've got like some, some notable credits and it's like, and yet, and still mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. they wrote on two sentence horror stories. Like you should know who they are. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. like they're dope. Um, yeah. I did want to reminisce for a second about when we
2: did our episode and we uh, did our travels and yeah, we, that was so much um, fun. Talked about Valjean Jeffers who just recently passed away. What I did not know that.
3: <gasps> oh my god, are you serious?
2: Did I just tell you that? Oh <gasps> no, oh my god, I am How so recent? sorry. I thought you knew I would, I am so not into doing reveals like that. Um, oh
3: my god, How, when would this happen? This happens like two months ago. Two
2: three did I months not ago, about I followed her on Facebook, and her kids posted it on her page.
3: Oh, I don't follow. I'm not on Facebook, and I guess there was no post on Instagram where I follow her. Yeah, I don't. Jesus. I don't. I don't think
2: they had her Instagram and or her Twitter. But I also followed her on Twitter too. Um, yeah, I'm so How sorry. How did she pass? I have no idea. It was all very vague. Um, her. Uh, I think it was her daughter that posted and just said that, you know, our mom is passed, um, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah. We did an interview with her. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, and I was going to... I'm so sorry. I did not mean to...
3: No, do it's just like shocking. I mean,
2: Holy moly. I feel moly. awful, I I feel awful that knew. I
3: didn't know. I'm I'm like, I should feel like I should have known.
2: Damn. Well, I mean, also that ties into what you were saying about like all the people that you do interview who are doing like these amazing things and have been in the game for like ever. Like, like, mm. you know, there should have been like major tributes to Valjean because she did amazing work and she was yeah. A prolific writer and inspired so many people by the work that she did. And like yeah. I know her because when I came out with Flesh and like I was doing like my Audrey's Revenge thing, she like found me on the internet and was giving me so much support and was just like, You're oh. so cool and like keep going and doing this and doing that, you know? Um oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not mean to drop the ball like no. that. Um okay.
3: But so we're reminiscing about that. I'm reminiscing
2: yeah. about that and just like all the important work that you do. Um, I just wanted to give you like your flowers, um, because I think oh, that is you. super important that you are giving a space uh for black women to show that we are doing the work and we're out here. You know what I mean? And I feel like even though there is like this quote unquote, like black horror renaissance is going on, there is wow. still misogynoir that is present. And a lot of people yeah. are still not giving flowers where it's due. Like we were talking about nanny and master. And I feel like nobody really gives like credit or like is like shine, shining the light, you know, on these two incredible, like uh, f- black female directors, And when people Mm -hmm. talk about Black horror, it's always just about Jordan Peele, you know, and it like rubs me the wrong way because I'm just like, there are so many, you know.
3: That's also a part of that whole Highlander thing that we have going on where it's like there can be only one. There
2: can only be one. Like there's like the flavor of the month, you know, and it's just like I just hate it. So like I just wanted to give you your flowers and just let you know that when I was on for that episode and we had that long conversation about Jeffers work and like when we did our travels, Mm -hmm. that was probably one of the most memorable experiences that I have. And just thank you for your work.
3: Oh, thank you. Your travel was dope. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were like, we're gonna write steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna try to write steampunk in honor of Val oh my god, in honor of Valjean Jeffers, everybody. Please yeah. listen to that episode. Um, yeah, seriously. And and she was the one who taught me what steampunk is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And just to go back to the rules of things, I was like, I never even thought I liked steampunk until I read your story and realized, oh, what I don't, what I didn't like is that I didn't exist in it. Uh-huh. But actually, I do like this genre. Yeah. I just yeah. needed to read somebody, write it from a way where I can see that I exist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, she brought me that. Um, yeah. the there, there can be, I feel for, I feel for Monkey Paw because it's like, I, I don't think that's, I don't think anybody sets out to be the
2: one. No, 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 I no. I think no, no. that's what
3: happens. And it's like, it is unfortunate yeah. that we do that.
2: I have no shade towards Jordan Peele. I think he's brilliant. And I think he's a yeah. really cool he's dude. He's trying to put people on. But I just yeah. know <laughs> how Hollywood works. And they will yeah. always do that shit. And it's literally to pit other people against each other. Like, honestly, yeah. that's how you break any type of solidarity bonds. Like, any marginalized filmmaker in that industry is to make one you know, on the pedestal and then you have to fight for the breadcrumbs It's literally just an allegory for the mercantilist capitalist system that we live in, you know? So yeah, it's the same thing, but yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's exciting, you know, it's, it's black female authors or so it's like, like I say, it's BIPOC horror authors. So I do make a point of like finding all the people, right. And producing, you know, are they Asian American? Are they Latinx? I'm looking for like, I'm always on the hunt for like, some indigenous stories, we haven't really done that. Um indigenous from like North America, South America, mm-hmm. uh Australia. Like, I'm like, get at me. I wanna hear it. Um, we have some ones coming up, uh, that's like Iran, Iranian, Australian later episode this season. Oh, which okay. is really exciting. <laughs> um <coughs> so it's interesting to, you know, I'm just excited about anybody's like, tell me about your your boogeyman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I also in doing that, I do like to give, like, you know, black and brown women also in other spaces, that that's who the voice actors are, that's who the sound designer is, mm-hmm. you know, so how we're, we're having this, like, behind the mic, um, again, just to show it's, like, it's not just it's not only writing there's also women who do sound Mm -hmm. there's also Mm -hmm. women who do voice acting like all around Mm -hmm. like all in all of the aspects like let me show you a picture of her turning on a machine yeah um just, just just to show that like just to show women occupying all of those spaces Hell yeah yeah you
2: are a gift
3: bjork it's odd, I know this is kind of like a, a crazy turn to make, but like some of that was sort of inspired by Bjork because she designs a lot of that immersive tech or interactive tech that goes along with her music. Mm-hmm. And people wouldn't give her, would assume that she didn't. And so she started this whole thing where she would take pictures of herself doing the stuff. And then that yeah. started like for a while, this was like a weird like on Tumblr or something like that um, page that I would follow where she's like, if you are a woman doing something, music, audio, technical, anything, take a picture of yourself, send it to us and we'll, we'll feature you, what you do and this picture. So she was essentially making like a, a digital footprint of proof that like women plug things in <laughs> and turn yeah. things on and code and design stuff. Who would have thought? Because she got so tired of everyone assuming that it was the men on her team doing it. Oh my
1: God. It. Yes. I uh, think I turned in a photo to that whenever I was doing a lot more music and sound editing. Nice. Um, Forever yeah. ago. Like it was a hot second ago. Yeah, but, it was a long time it could ago. And it could be a different organization. No, it was probably like, the maybe. same one.
3: There's lots. There was like women of color in tech. I remember that where they were just doing stock photos because they were like, if you Google like a woman in tech, Oh my God. You can't really find like stock and stock image of that. And none of them are women of color. So they (laughs) just, they literally just had a photo shoot where they were just like, we just want to flood the internet with like images of like black women at a computer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, like, you know, (laughs) she's Mexican and she's plugging in the stereo. Oh my God. Prolific. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so small, but you then you realize just how, to your point, to your to what you were saying earlier, Monica, of of like things having a chokehold. Just how like deep that goes. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't see it anywhere. Even if I were to just Google like blah 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 blah, like that image isn't going to come up. There's not going to be anything anywhere in the vastness of the internet that looks like you.
2: In the fucking vastness of the fucking internet.
3: So if you're like, I've never seen na 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 that means that you should take that picture or do that thing. Yep.
2: <laughs> Actually, yes, that is true. That is the only way. Yeah. If you f- see that like it's not out there, just do it yourself. That's, yeah, you got to do it. You got to fucking do it. Yep.
3: Yeah, I looked and I was like, is there any podcast that's doing? I was like, nope. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> we'll do it. Yep.
2: Sometimes you just got to get the
3: job
1: done, you know? Not to sell short your work as a writer yourself, <laughs> because ah. I was going to say, you do tons of writing. I, do. <laughs> I have heard many drabbles, for instance, uh, on the episode, as you mentioned with Monica and listeners, we will go ahead and link to that in the show notes. So, you know, run, don't walk to listen to that episode. But yeah, I would. I would love to hear what's going on with you as a writer. Like, what are you up to? What do you have coming up? And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about what what's on the horizon for Black women are scary.
3: Yeah. So, uh, so one thing I have coming up is this month is actually one of my stories on Black women are scary. Uh, I just happened to have something to fit my own rubric, and I was like, ah, oh, look at that. And I don't have to. I'm free. I'll do my story for me. <laughs> so like, it was also it was like it was good for the budget. Um so what that did was create an opportunity to have guest hosts. So I have uh, a and Trent guest hosting on for this month, which is all was also kind of fun to just kind of like hand over black women are scary to somebody else um mm-hmm. and and start to think of it as like a thing that's like it's not about you know, I didn't want it to be about me anyway, and I've kind of constructed it in a way where like maybe things like that could happen um because it really is about, you know, featuring authors. So that's one thing. This The Mountain is what we're producing. It's coming out October 7th. It is out for you. And that was, uh, you mentioned Unleashed. So it was in the Skywatcher Press, the Unleashed anthology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I think is the one you were in one the earlier, like volume two I'm in.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah. So it's like the same publication. Um, that's great. Yeah, so that story was um, was published there, and we're producing it for this month. Uh, and then that's what's happening there. I did some, had another story, and then I wake up that was in the Seely Crow magazine, which I mentioned earlier. Again, like, support that magazine, support black women doing stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a fantasy magazine, so there's all kinds of other things in it. Um, so... Uh, Really, though, I just got done doing a pilot called Teeth, which is um, a contemporary werewolf pilot uh, about the steps that women take to move from victimhood to monsterhood. And it is a horror Western. Uh, And that that project, I was able to work out at Stowe Story Labs recently in Birmingham and it, then it was selected it was an official selection at Horror Origins just this uh not too long ago like the last Horror Origins just happened it was like September 30th to October 3rd uh, the film festival so that's happened that happened and I'm like okay but tv is very long <laughs> it's a long process I'm kind of like well that has some like oomph around it, but I don't really know um, where that where that's going to go. So at present, mm-hmm. I've received some support, grant support, for my horror short screenplay called Affordable Housing, um, which I am going to be making, going into like some pre-pre-production with uh, Eunice Levis, who is a horror and sci-fi um, director, also based in Philly. And her movies are dope. She's got Rowan the Stardust and Invade that's doing the film festival circuit now. So please do like look that up and see coming to a film festival near you. Um, she's also Afro-Latina. So Row the Stardust is a sci-fi centering Afro-Latinas. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and so is uh, Invade is like a climate sci-fi thriller, also centering black and brown people. So um we teamed up and we're going to make a, a fun, if all goes as planned, y'all, we're going to make a fun uh, splatter comedy So to just kind of go back to like Be the thing you want to see It's just a Like very much in the spirit of Ash versus Evil Dead Like I just wanted like a fun Slasher Creature feature But like the black and brown women get to live And defeat them And get to defeat a monster <laughs> And it's like You can take it to be political Obviously it's called affordable housing They have to slay this monster to keep their affordable apartment um but it also is a lot of silly fun very nice,
1: very nice. wow that sounds awesome
3: yeah coming to a coming to a streaming platform near you guys Hell yeah just give us a minute to to make it <laughs> <laughs> we, we just got some some support and we're like still kind of like oh my god somebody said yes uh now we really have to make this movie how are we gonna do it <laughs> we're in that we're in that place um but hopefully i don't know like yeah in the near future, I'll be like, this is where you can watch it. Awesome. Yeah. Manifest
1: that shit. So I was going to ask, where would you like to be found upon the Internet? Is there a place for people to find you? And how do you recommend that people support Black Women Are Scary? Um, OK,
3: so I have a fiscal sponsor, which means
1: what? you can donate and it's tax deductible,
3: y'all. Ooh. Woohoo! so you can go to our, you can just go like black women are scary. The link is there. You can make a one-time donation. You can make a recurring donation. Um, Especially if you're interested in being part of the story committee, please do make a recurring donation <laughs> and let me know that you want to read stories. Um, But that is one way Uh that really does help us like pay for, you know, the, the, the voiceover acting. Um And some of that also goes to production. So every little bit counts, whether it's like five bucks or more than, or, whatever you know much you want to want to give it it is it, it is meaningful uh and we appreciate it so much and we shout people out like you're on the you're in the credits like sometimes we'll do like little like shout out signal boosts on social media so black women Are scary is available anywhere and everywhere you listen to podcasts And the link to support us is available in all of that. (laughs) So that's the way to do that. Um, And then uh, besides that, I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter at Dusky Projects. And that's really where we're like updating, you know, both the audio work that we're doing and anything else outside of that, whether it's film or theater. Um, So you can find me there.
1: Beautiful. Well, this has been wonderful. I love talking to you. I love talking to both of you, in fact. Yeah. So, this was a delight for me. And I'm excited for the next time I talk to you because I assume it will not be long from now. <laughs> yeah, probably not.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I hope this was not like dry.
3: No. It was just so, it was all, it was so like cerebral I don't know (laughs) I feel like maybe it was just like because the last conversations we had like you and Monica you and I just talked about we wrote those travels and we're in time traveling and then Sarah I think we talked about Xena for like so long
1: Uh, literally on the last interview that we had with you I had to cut like probably a good 40 minutes of us talking about Buffy and it was like it it was after like five other tangents is why I had to cut it it was like I love this I love this I love this and then it was like okay now this is the tangent that has to go I think (laughs) <laughs> yeah. we've already done many. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you about Xena, Buffy, anything, anytime, yeah. Yeah. actually. So, you know, hit me up, text me. Um, <laughs> mm, mm, <indeed. laughs> we'll chat. We'll chat soon. And um I hope everybody checks out Black Women Are Scary because no bullshit. That is one of my very favorite podcasts. Aww. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Thank and that one you. is way high up on the list. So I it's uh. always a joy to kind of hear like the, you know, the inner workings of the pod because oh. I am truly obsessed That's with great. it. And I what I love the most too. Is it has great listen back episode, like kind of value. Like you can listen to it again and again and be like, oh, man, I like didn't even catch that the first time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. They're pretty dense stories. I think you ask, like, where is it going? And it's like, I just want to keep it going. Like, I'm just really just trying to keep this ball in the air and am always looking for funding or looking like for regular funders like I'm always like what is the way to monetize the thing or blah 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 when you're not famous yeah. um, <laughs> to just keep this to just keep it going to be able to keep reading to be able to move on to the next anthology and be like let's produce these like even just it's such a joy to have that conversation to hear you know like story committees like recommendations and then and to do that to like just the entire process of finding the right actor and then the direct, you know, we have, like, different audio directions. Those are also women. And just being able to, the whole process of it, it was meant to be, like, a project of joy and love, right? Because it happened in the middle of the apocalypse. So I'm like, I just want to feel good. Uh, And it was meant for a way for us to face the monsters together. That's, like, often what we say. And I just want to keep doing that because the world isn't getting any less scary. And these folks are writing this work that helps you, face those monsters and deal with that or not deal with that or question that or you know like it's I just feel like it's a good outlet um so the future is I hope that we get to do a fourth season and a fifth season and just kind of keep keep this going and keep highlighting these really great authors that should be highlighted
1: That's the future I want, too. That's the future liberals want, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a very small
3: dream, though. Like, it's a small operation. I'm not even trying to, like, really, like, scale up or any of that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just want to, like, hang tight. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, hopefully, like, people – I hope people listen to this episode. I hope they're listening to your podcast. Um, And I hope all – yeah, all the podcasts get, like, listeners. I know that's, like, super hokey, but –
1: I really do. <laughs> That's not hokey. Not hokey at all.
4: Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @bitchesoncomics and on Instagram at at on Our website is, brace yourself, bitchesoncomics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes. And we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't
1: remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good luck. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm Essie
4: Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at seflenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at se underscore
1: Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to
4: recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.